Welcome to Crux Investor. We're here today with Barry Harris, who's the COO of New Century Resources. Hello, Barry. Hi, how's it going, mate? Good, thank you. You were just over from a world trip. Where have you been? Yes, uh, just come across from, uh, spent some time in Toronto and New York, uh, basically educating the market on how we're going and how everything's tracking. Fantastic. I thought we'd kick off and ask you to tell us a little bit more about you. It's the first mm -hmm. time we've met you. so. What do you do at New Century Resources? Yeah, Matt, uh, my name is obviously Barry Harris, COO. Uh, before that, I was the, uh, the SSE uh, on-site, so Site Senior Executive, um, and effectively in charge of all the operations, so everything on the mine site and up at the port facility in okay. Columba. And so what have you been specifically brought on board to do? What have you been charged with delivering? So specifically, I was brought on board to help help with the transition of the assets across from MMG to New Century Resources, mm -hmm. and then to spearhead from an operating point of view, um, the taking the operations from care and maintenance, uh, restart feasibility study side of things, through the drill out of the tailings dam, um, the construction side of works, um, refurbishment, on right. into operations, and now it's managing everything through um, the commissioning uh, ramp up phase and then on into the expansion. Okay, so how big is that team? How big is the team now? Uh, started off with we had six people on, on each panel on site um, right. and now we've got a total workforce including contractors of 245 people. Wow, so no, all, all local presumably? All over Australia but the, the vast majority of them are based in the, in the Cairns uh, region and up right. around the mine site. So, yeah. Right, fantastic. I see where I was born. Oh, Funny right. enough. Yes. Fair enough. Um, and so tell us a bit about your, the relevant experience that you had specific to what you've been charged with doing before you joined New Century Resources. Sure. So um, I suppose the most recent experience I had prior to joining New Century Resources was with uh, MMG themselves. Mm -hmm. I was in charge of their tech services for all of their Australian operations. Mm -hmm. So because I was looking after various different mines for MMG, I had quite a good network inside the company not only from their operations standpoint, but also back into their head office. Um, so that, that experience really, really helped with the transition of information across from MMG to the New right. Century Resources team because instead of having a single point of focus from which to gather information, having to go up through the, the mergers and acquisitions team, um, if we had a question about geology or about anything like that, I could actually pick up the phone and talk to someone that I had a, a previous working relationship right. with uh, to get that information. And prior to that, I'd spent my entire career um, in mine operations. Mm -hmm. So being a, a mining engineer by trade, mm -hmm. um, had pretty much worked in all facets of uh, working in and, and managing mining operations. And uh, All in Australia? Uh, no. So Australia, uh, Papua New Guinea, and a uh, brief amount of time over in Ghana as well. So uh, all, right. all, the, all the interesting parts of the world, I suppose. Ghana's a lovely place. Yes, yes. Place. Um, and the other part of it as well is uh, being a junior mining company, uh, that experience and also the qualifications that I had helped with wearing the multiple different hats of mm. being the mine manager, site senior executive and all the rest of it until we actually built up uh, the, the capability and the, the experience and everything else in our team itself to deliver it. So well, let's talk about your team. You know, I'd love to yep. understand a little bit more about who's there, who does what, 
-hmm. he's fully engaged, he's advisory. Yeah. You can sort of run through that. Yeah, so we've been very, very lucky in the fact that it's not very often in, the, in your mining career that you get to start a, a company effectively from scratch. And uh, we've been very lucky to be able to attract a hugely skilled uh, group of individuals that have come together to form a um, pretty much a high performance team. Mm -hmm. uh, people that also share our same values and the ethos of how we want to run a company, uh, which is doing it. Uh, a little bit leaner and smarter um, than the vast majority of your larger companies do. Mm. Um, and the other part of it as well with that team is uh, a lot of all the people that came on early were given the opportunity to invest in the earlier cap raises. So a large portion of our, our team, uh, all the way from the, the board and management through down to the guys on the actual mine sites, are stockholders themselves as well. Well, just a couple of questions before we get into the team in that case. Yes. Is one, are the team on some kind of hold period, or or can they sell out any time they want? No, so the the team on site and everything else like that, there's no escrow period or hold period or anything like that. They right. can sell out at any time. Right. Um, uh, with some of the the board and management, there are some of the options there are are escrowed, so they can't. Right. Um, but the vast majority of people have that capability to to buy and sell, um, and largely everyone are actually holders um, and. You know, uh, understanding okay. the the value proposition and everything yeah. else like that, uh, they believe in what it is we're we're going out to achieve. Right. Um, so that's comforting. And what about yeah. you, you talked about everyone's on board, um, have the same philosophy, same outlook on this. Yeah. So is the, is there a business plan that you're working to? Because again, uh, something you see engineers they don't often do. Is there something that you've all agreed? Yes. So we we've. Obviously, got the uh, I suppose the um, the vision for the company is to maximise the the value from the century group of assets, um, whilst establishing ourselves in the industry as uh, leaders in economic mine site rehabilitation. Right. So it's looking at uh, how to go about uh, rehabilitating mine sites in a manner that's economically viable and returns really really good value to shareholders, mm -hmm. and that unique uh, value proposition and way, it look, way of looking at the mining industry has actually helped us to attract. Um, people that are interested in doing things slightly differently and looking at right. it through another lens. Okay, no, that, 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 that's interesting. And so ev everyone is targeted to that mission? Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So why don't we um, carry on and why don't you tell us a little bit about the team then? So uh, from the on-site team, uh, they're led by um, our new site senior executive, uh, Craig Delaney. Mm -hmm. uh, he's come on board with us from uh, Evolution Mining. So when we were going out looking for a site senior executive to replace myself on site, we, we tended to look to uh, Evolution, Northern Star, those sorts of companies which in our view are some of the better managed companies on the ASX in that sort of small to mid uh, cap space. And we wanted people who actually understood how to run mining companies uh, from a sort of a lean outlook and making right. sure that things are done properly. So run it like a junior compared exactly. to... Yeah. I mean, again, so a slight segue, um, the previous owners, MMG, yes. why were they not able to run it the way that you're envisaging running the program? I suppose, realistically for MMG, their focus is not on uh, the, the tailing side of things for, for starters. They're, they're looking at big operations. They want to be you know, mid-tier to large mining companies. So they're you're looking very, for you're an extremely large cap company. I mean, you, you create some real value there. Not insignificant. This is true, this is true, but I suppose that the, when they were analysing the project, a large portion of all the costs associated for them were indirect costs because they had a large corporate recharge 
because as mining companies grow, they tend to get uh, quite large off-site um, requirements, and there's a lot of uh, a lot more bureaucracy and requirements right. in order to, to run the company and, and do it the way that those companies are set up and structured to do so. Whereas we have a very, very small off-site um, function, if you will, so mm -hmm. the costs associated off-site are not very high. Yeah. Interesting. From, from Craig, there's a team underneath him and all people who are um, experts in their, their field. So from our head of the processing plant and pipeline side of things, um, Adam Clark, who's uh, ex-Glencore, um, Monizer Mines, who's got a, a wealth of experience in flotation plants and base metal operations, a metallurgist by trade originally. And underneath him, he has a very, very competent team of people that we've pulled from various different uh, base metal operations in and around the Australasian region. Mm. People that are bringing that expertise from, from operating at various different operations into the team. So we've got very, very competent skill set in, in the area of the processing plant and the pipeline operations. Mm -hmm. uh, that was also pulling people mostly based around in the, the Cairns, uh, far north Queensland region where there is a lot of history in those type of operations. Mm -hmm. um, and also because we're doing things slightly different, those people are, are pretty keen to come and be a part of what we're doing. Okay. Um, in, the, in the mining sense, uh, we actually went out this, I suppose from a, a hydro mining point of view, there's not a large amount of expertise inside of Australia. It's not a mine method that's largely done in Australia. So we conducted a very in-depth due diligence process where we went and looked at the five largest hydro mining operations around the world, which took us to uh, South America, America, um, South Africa, Mali, uh, quite, a, quite a few different locations and we had essentially taken down our initial list of seven potential contract partners down to three final contract partners that we would then um, go into business with and that's why in the end we went with um, Paragon, um, so Tailings Operations which is an offshoot, or it's, a, it's a group that was set up by some guys that used to work for Fraser Alexander mm. which is one of the salt warts in the, in the um, Tailings reprocessing and hydro mining world mm -hmm. um, and we partnered them with uh, an Australian based private owned company, National Pump and Energy, uh, who provided the, the capital infrastructure and the maintenance and uh, the procurement and logistics function from an, an Australian basis. So we've really gone out and we've leveraged on the skill sets of various different groups to come and help us to execute um, what is the largest hydro mining operation in Australia. Um, so we've got a large amount of skill set there mm -hmm. and the vast majority of the people that are the leading the, um, the hydro mining operations themselves, they've got uh, you know, between 20 and 30 years experience in hydro mining operations that they bring to what we're doing and they've been training up the local Australian operators and getting them up to um, a world class standard. 20, 30 years experience, yep. they know what they're doing. Yep. How does someone like you target them with you know, deliverables? How do you incentivize them to do better? Because you're talking about being a low-cost, lean operation, so your CEO, how do, yep. you, how do you manage that? So the way that the, the actual contract um, with the hydro mining companies is set up is where they get paid on a cost per tonne basis. Right. So the, you know, they have a minimum okay. set of tonnes that they need to get to cover their costs, yep. and then everything above that is where they start to make really good money. Right, okay. So it's a, it's a piece race contract. So they're hugely incentivized to deliver more tonnes uh, on a more consistent Fantastic. basis. Is that a sta standard process in the industry or is that something that you've come up with? Um, it's a standard process where you, know, you normally have a schedule of rates contract. 
Mm. Um, the, the, the beautiful thing on that is that uh, you don't have cost blowouts, so it's not a cost plus contract or the likes of that where you know you might have a misalignment of interest where uh, the contractor actually doesn't mind if their costs blow out or anything like that mm -hmm. because essentially they make more uh, revenue. In this basis, we have a very fixed cost per tonne um, of uh, material that gets sent through the processing plant and their interests are aligned with maximising production. So it is quite a standard way of doing it across the mining industry in general mm. and we just wanted to apply that so we knew what our cost per tonne was going to be. Fantastic. And so any additions lined up for this year? I mean, you're, it's, I think you're moving obviously from you know, pre-production into you know, a producer. Mm -hmm. Is the team going to be built up to reflect that? Or have you got everyone you need? So the team uh, will be built upon um, mm -hmm. from a projects and an expansion side of things. Right. So we're very close to nearing our phase one ramp up, which uh, we call the phase one ramp up, eight yep. million tonnes per annum yep. uh, throughput and the recovery metrics that we're chasing uh, up to 61% recovery overall. Right. Where are you now? Um, at the moment, we, we're averaging sort of the high 40s, right. uh, but we okay. have had peak recoveries of up to uh, 54%. So that's a process of optimization and, yes. and how long does that process, that phase one last? So um, the phase one uh, will be up to where we want to be by midway through this calendar year. Okay. So um, it's, we've only really been operating for one quarter. Yeah. Um, and we're into our second quarter of operations fairly normal. now. Fairly so normal. Fairly yeah, normal and uh, you know, you graph it against the majority of normal mining you're somewhere uh, companies. In the yeah, we're somewhere yep. in the middle. Yep. Um, as far as the recovery side of things, the, the industry standard that normally gets looked at is a McNulty curve, and we're well and truly beating yep. the, the, the normal on that as yep. far as uh, getting your recoveries up to where they should be. So right. tracking along really, really well. Um, but we're in the process now of developing uh, our projects team out for the expansion or phase two operations, which is to take us through to 15 million tonnes per annum of tailings throughput. Right. So what, what type of people are coming on board? What, what, what new skill sets do you need? So I suppose lessons learned from when we did the initial startup and everything else like that is uh, we could have used a, a bit more in the way of uh, some project management expertise and some project engineering side of things, mm -hmm. uh, electrical and instrumentation supervisation on that side of it. Um, so all those sorts of skill sets that we're going to need to go from where we are now uh, mm -hmm. through to pretty much doubling our, our throughput. There's the second half of the processing plant that we need to come through and we need to refurbish and then tie into the existing operations. Right. So it's, it's multi-skill set that we're going to need to help execute all those works and manage the various different subcontractors that we're going to bring in to actually execute the works. Right, so there's a bunch of costs to come on board, but they're not significant in, in, in the scheme of things. Yeah. Um, you're, in the, you're a lowest quartile producer by some way, it's yes. you know very very low cost. Yep. That's the, that's your business model. Mm -hmm. With all of these new costs coming on board, do you expect the costs to rise significantly, or are you still going to be you know bottom quartile? We'll still be uh, bottom quartile uh, in our restart feasibility study and our base case that we're tracking towards. Um, we factored in the capital that we're going to need for this right. expansionary side of things. And then realistically, uh, with our business, the vast majority of our costs are actually fixed costs. So probably 80% of our cost base is fixed right. cost. So if anything, our cost uh, per pound will be going down as we up our production. So you have the capital costs to get to that point. And then beyond that, we're effectively slipping further down into the lower cost quartile section where you want to be. 
as a result yeah. of more production to, to spread Bottom those decile. costs over. Is that the target? Yes, yes. Fantastic. pretty much. <laughs> as low as we can be. Okay, so uh, looking back at 2018, yes. give me your report card for that. How did you do? Well, I suppose it's, it's pretty key to keep in mind that the start of 2018, uh, we had a very small group of guys, mm-hmm. um, or team, should I say, and uh, we had a, a feasibility study. Um, by the back end of 2018, we had produced and sold 32,000 tonnes of zinc concentrate. So there's not very many mining operations that go from study to producing on a fairly significant scale, considering being a, a restart and a ramp up side of things uh, in that shorter time frame. So um, we, we managed to do the refurbishment um, and start operations and, and start the ramp up and everything else like that on time. Uh, on budget and we, we hit all our key metrics that we had actually set for the team over that time period um, and, and managed to start to produce saleable concentrate um, which has subsequently been shipped into Europe, China, Hobart. Mm. So 2018 for us was a momentous year and we managed to, to tick all the boxes and kick all the goals that we had set for ourselves. So from feasibility through to cash flow in 12 months? Yes. Pretty yes. good. You're happy? Yes. Would you have done anything differently? We definitely haven't done everything perfectly. Uh, you never really can on these sorts it's of things. It's mining. It's mining in general, yeah. yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that uh, there are lessons learned um, mm-hmm. that we will then be applying to the phase two side of the ramp up mm-hmm. and the refurbishment and everything else like that. But considering the aggressive timeframes that we set ourselves and, and how we did manage to achieve on that, um, we're, we're pretty happy that we, we executed that to pretty much uh, the best of our abilities at the time. Mm-hmm. And when you say, would we do anything differently? That's why we're actually building building out the projects team that we have uh, on site to manage the expansionary right. side of things. So right. we've taken those lessons learned of a bit more in the way of oversight and a bit more in the way of project engineering skills and the electrical and instrumentation skill sets mm-hmm. and uh, having that in the in-house team to help manage that um, step up in in, uh, in tailings. That then leads on to this year. Yes. Obviously we're coming towards the end of Q1, but what does this year look like for you in terms of catalyst moment, major deliverables? This first quarter, so quarter one calendar year, um, we're projected to be our first positive cash flow quarter. Great. Which considering we've only been operating for a quarter, so to be positive cash flow in your second quarter of yeah. operations, Unusual? <laughs> yes, very, very unusual in the mining industry yeah. and, and something that we're aiming towards. Um, the other part of it is uh, back end of Q1 calendar year now, uh, one of the key things we're aiming towards is our phase one ramp up in tailings throughput. So that's the 8 million tonnes per annum throughput. So we're aiming to be at that. Um, the next part of that is we, we're currently with a team of people on site and off site working on our pre feasibility study, which is investigating. The, the option of a blend feed arrangement. Mm-hmm. So we do actually have significant mineralization on the mine site outside of the tailings deposit. Um, we have about 10 million tons of uh, relatively good grade material of in situ resources. So a study is ongoing in that at the moment to look at an option of rather than uh, stepping to 15 million tons per annum of tailings throughput, we look at a blend where you would go with say 10 million tons per annum of tailings and two million tons per annum of in situ resources. Right. So uh, one of the key things that we're aiming to do is to assess that so that we can understand uh, if that makes more sense 
then stepping to the 15 million by the end of the year, which right. is our base case. And the, the game there is obviously to make more money. That's yes. the name of the game. Shareholders yes. want to hear that. Yes. Um, so tell us a bit about the, the, the ore body and the, the tailings there, which mm -hmm. lead you to believe that might be worth investigating. So I suppose uh, the, the tailings deposit is the 77 million tonnes at the 3%. Yep. So it's a, it's a very, very large ore body, very well known. Uh, it is the 14th largest uh, known zinc deposit in the world, so it's a substantial deposit in and of itself. Um, but uh, the mine life of 6.3 years, uh, if we ramp up to 15 million tonnes per annum of tailings, is something that we want to extend. Every mining company right. wants to extend mine life. Um, but you don't want to do it at, uh, uh, at a too much of a financial cost. So we already have uh, three deposits, uh, two open pits and an underground operation uh, that are uh, potentially viable. Uh, we're going through the process of going through feasibility studies to look at what it looks like bringing those into the production profile, mm -hmm. which would then give us close to, uh, if not above, a 10-year mine life. Um, and the whole aim of the study and what we're looking at doing is making sure that our overall metal profile remains the same, which is looking for 250,000 zinc metal uh, equivalent units mm -hmm. per annum, mm -hmm. um, which, yes, uh, in situ resources will always be more expensive than a tailings um, reprocessing side of things, just because you have the upfront mining costs and then the grinding costs as well that you don't have with a tailings reprocessing play. Um, but with that, uh, the 10-year um, mine life, it is all overall um, uh, a higher uh, free cash flow production over those 10 right. years as well. And it also gives you a lot longer to look at uh, your exploration side of things to then, again, find more resources to extend the mine life even right. further. So come back, what, what grade did you say? What, what you mentioned a grade, the grade For the tailings yeah. deposit? That's 3%. 3%, so. three, 3% okay. Yes. And so just to kind of help people understand the, the type of business you are, you're a, a, a volume processor. That's what you are. So it's 3%. Where would you say that was in terms of high, low? It's, it's relatively low, I right. suppose, um, because that's the residual mineralization that was left after the first yeah. time that they, they processed reprocessing. it. And we're reprocessing yeah. that. So but as a volume player, that's not an issue for you. It's mm. about putting through lots and lots of it, Exactly. So volume. it's putting through a decent amount of that in the way of tonnage right. um, and unlocking as much of that residual value as Absolutely. possible. And I'm looking at 270% IRR. So the model seems to be working. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, realistically, uh, what we are is we, we're leveraging the sunk cost in the, the infrastructure that is there. Of course. Because, I mean, the original cost um, that was to the companies back in the late 1990s was about $2 billion. Yeah. A replacement cost of all the assets and everything else between the mine site, processing plant, pipeline, port facility, transshipment vessel, yeah. everything that we ended up getting as part of the deal. Uh, would be many multiples of well, a couple of multiples. Well, of the is that necessarily reflected on your balance sheet? The value of that reflected on your balance sheet? No, it's, no, not. it's not. Okay, no. interesting. And yeah. what about any remediation costs? I mean, you want to extend those sorts of moments out as far as you can. That's another reason, I guess, for extending the mine life. Uh, yes, it is. Um, but uh, I suppose it's key to know that about. 40% of uh, the surface area of disturbance that needs to be remediated is actually tied up in the tailings dam and the evaporation dam. So our actual operational cost and our process of remining those areas is effectively carrying out the rehabilitation. So 
Okay. Previously, that was assessed where they were going to come and cap over the tailings dam mm -hmm. and then drain and then uh, rehabilitate the evaporation dam. With our actual operations, we're effectively rehabilitating 40% of the requirement that needs to be getting done. The other part of the rehabilitation side of things is the, the two other open pits that we're looking at uh, executing are inside of the surface area of disturbance, the current surface area of disturbance, mm -hmm. but both of those actually have really good limestone capping material as part of the overburden. So in the event that we do go into mining those two, we'll use that material to cap the existing okay. waste, waste yep. dumps. So really our business model is all about looking at how do you um, carry out rehabilitation um, activities and make it part of your operating expense rather right. than a, a, a capex. Amortizing the costs over the period of the life of mine. Yes. To some degree. Yeah. Okay. As, as much as possible. So Barry, I want reasons investors should get behind New Century Resources. One of the, the main reasons for it is the fact that, you know, 30%, uh, 36% sorry, of the stock is owned by board management and, yep. and the actual people uh, executing the works themselves. So it's quite a, quite a rare thing in the mining industry where you have such a large alignment of interest between the people out there carrying out the job and the people who are investing in the stock themselves. So there's no one in this company that has a, uh, you know, the agency effect where they're just here to collect a paycheck. No one's on massive salaries or anything like that. So uh, our interests are uniquely aligned with that of the investors because uh, essentially uh, we get a payday when the investors get a payday because we're, we're all one and the same effectively. Um, the other part of it as well is it's, uh, it's a project that will, um, produce significant cash flows. And that cash flow is, uh, we're planning on using that to pay dividends to shareholders. So that's how we will actually get our, uh, our return on investment, if you will. Mm -hmm. So you have a very aligned management group. You have large amount of cash flow that's gonna be used to pay dividends back to shareholders themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a mining operation that's in the lowest cost quartile. So you, you're gonna be able to ride through various different cycles in, in zinc price and, and all the rest of it. It's gonna be profitable through all of those uh, fluctuations in zinc price. And it is, uh, it's something that uh, we're actually setting up the operation with the view to be able to ride any of those fluctuations as well anyway. Um, so I suppose those are the, the key three key reasons mm -hmm. um, that you would be wanting to invest in any, our stock. Any M&A on the horizon? Right now, at the moment, we're hugely focused on uh, okay. just executing and doing what we said we were going to be doing, mm -hmm. and returning that that, uh, that money to shareholders. Uh, longer term, um, there's there's no reason why this business model doesn't make a lot of sense uh, for a lot of other operations out there, because there there are a lot of major mining companies out there that aren't in the business of rehabilitating mine sites and uh, and looking at. Uh, operations through a unique lens to unlock any residual value or potential additional value on a mine site. So the, the view to um, taking advantage of, of sunk capital mm. uh, and the infrastructure assets on a mine site to, uh, to reprocess and or uh, mine additional mineral resources on a mine site is something we will look to. Okay. Um, but for right now, we really are focused on doing what we said we we're gonna do on the mine site and returning as much of that value to shareholders as possible. Great, Thank, thanks for that. Um, I just wanna to talk to you about the zinc market. Yes. I mean, if, if you're investing in zinc, you've gotta believe in the zinc, where the zinc market is going. Mm -hmm. 
you know, same, same is true of gold, same is true of silver. So can you just talk us through you know, the, the last zinc cycle and where you think it's going this year and next? Well, I suppose uh, where we are now is we're at uh, historical uh, last 10-year high zinc prices, mm. um, but that's for a, a number of uh, very specific reasons. Um, you, you've had quite a large amount of the, the, the bigger mine sites of, in the way of supply shut off in the last few years, mm -hmm. of which actually Century was one of them, and then there was Lachine and a few other mine sites that, uh, that have turned off over the last couple of years. And uh, demand has been on average about a uh, growth of about 2%. Mm. Um, so there you're looking at about 290 odd thousand tonnes worth of zinc metal units in increase in demand per annum. So that's a, that's a very significant uh, mine that needs to come on uh, to replace that or group of mines to actually replace that increasing demand. Um, and that's just not really happening at the moment. So uh, you're looking at the LME stockpiles in, in refined zinc that's been dropping off as well. So um, for all those reasons, it looks that the next few years there will actually be a very good zinc price environment. Right, okay. And, and where you're obviously cash flowing, mm -hmm. which is great. Yep. You're selling to where you, you mentioned China. So we've uh, we've sold into China mm -hmm. uh, already. Is uh, that where most of the demand for zinc is going to be, or is it global? Uh, I think it's a global demand. Um, we we have offtakes uh, with uh, quite a few of the major trading houses, and they'll sell that internationally to wherever the demand is. And I suppose it's it's good to note and, and keep in mind that uh, Century, when it was operating on in situ resources, used to produce a million tons per annum of concentrate. And with that amount of concentrate, it was sold to all smelters all over the world. And so uh, smelters all over the world are very, very uh, familiar with the Century Zinc concentrate, of which ours is pretty much the same makeup as what they made previously. Mm -hmm. And no smelter takes uh, only one type of concentrate or one, one uh, specific concentrate. They take a blend of different concentrates and that makes up the, the mix that then goes on into the smelters. So uh, pretty much most zinc smelters are familiar with and uh, understand the, the century zinc concentrate and are looking to get more of it. Okay, it's interesting. And obviously you're looking to ramp up your production. Yes. You've got storage facilities. Mm. Have you got enough? Yes. You have. Yeah. So and, and will you be trading on spot or are you, are you getting contract? How does that work? So currently we've got offtake agreements for 80% of our production. So being contract? Uh, yes, so but it's uh, an offtake contract which is based on spot prices. Okay. So it's just basically that we have buyers for the concentrate that we're producing, and we're in the process of discussing uh, potentially um, getting an offtake contract for the remaining 20% of our production. Interesting. But again, that follows spot price, so you, you do have that exposure to where the price goes up okay. or down. Um, to talk to your other points about storage capacity. Um, we do have a, uh, a storage shed which has the capacity for 80,000 tonnes of zinc concentrate. So it's quite a substantial shed, uh, 250 metres long. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do have the processing facilities there to, to press, and dry and, uh, and right. store uh, what they used to produce, which was that million tonnes per annum of concentrate. Right. So uh, we have more than sufficient capacity at the port facility to, to handle right. uh, as much concentrate as we'll produce. I mean, our maximum run rate would be probably half a million tonnes of concentrate per annum. So right. Now, talking of the port, yes. you note there's been some disruption to, due to rain, 
lot of water around to the, some of the tracks out there. Has that affected you at all? Yeah, so talking about the, the massive rain event that happened in the far north Queensland and specifically yep. around the Townsville region, yep. um, we were very, very uh, fortunate in the fact that uh, how our concentrate actually gets through to the point to the port is uh, through a 304 kilometre slurry pipeline, which is actually buried. Um, it still is to this day the largest uh, single pump slurry pipeline in the world. Uh, so a really impressive bit of infrastructure. And that's, uh, that's been operating and still is operating perfectly fine, be being that it's buried and underneath where all the water came through. So uh, a lot of the other operations in the region actually get their concentrate to market via the, the um, train line that goes from Mount Isa down to Townsville. Mm -hmm. And there's been significant um, disruption to that where a lot of that has actually been washed away. So we were very, very fortunate in the fact that we had slight interruptions to the hydro mining for uh, about four days. But otherwise, it has barely affected us in, in what we're doing there. And we still have uh, our whole supply chain and uh, everything operating as it should be. Well, that's very fortunate. Yes. Very fortunate. So um, look, looking around some of the chat rooms and forums, I mean, people are kind of interested in a bit more news flow around recovery rates and how you see that looking, you know. Your, what, are you, what are you running out at the moment in terms of your recovery rates? So recovery rates at the moment are high 40s, low 50s. Right, okay. Yeah. And you're looking to get that to where? So 60, 61% is, right. uh, is what our targeted uh, recoveries are. Um, and we, we believe we'll be there by midway through this calendar year. Right, very confident about that. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's, it's key to understand that uh, Essentially, we were bringing 80-odd people in the processing plant together from various different operations around Australia. You're bringing them all together and getting those teams uh, up to speed with how you want to operate our processing plant. Um, the last of those people actually came and joined us sort of in November. So we've, we haven't had the teams together for very long um, and getting them up to speed with how we, we operate our plant um, and the expectations around how we want things done takes a bit of time and then you're training and ticketing and getting all that side of things done, which we've done up until this point now and we're very confident in the teams we've got and their knowledge of what needs to be getting done. Second thing to take note on as well is, whilst it's a very well built plant that was built by Bechtel back in the late 90s, um, it was operated for 16 years and then it was put into care and maintenance for two years. Um, any plant that you then turn on, you can refurbish it as well as you, as you want. Um, but things will start to fail as you run um, the, the, the processing plant. So we're really going through a, a period now of uh, having things um, fail that need to be fixed and finalising and fixing things and getting it all sorted out so you get that stability through the plant. And realistically, month on month, it's been about a 5% increase in our recoveries. Um, and that's, that's happening pretty solidly through when we started up till now. And we do have that, that will slow, presumably, as you get nearer the 60% mark yes. in terms of efficiencies, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the last 5% uh, that you're going to be getting is always going to be the hardest, as yeah. with any of these sorts of but things. But getting close to that quite quickly, and then yes. you'll assumably optimise it over yes. time. Okay. Yes, yeah. Fantastic. So, and that's what the test work uh, proved that we could get to 61% recoveries. Obviously, we're optimistic that uh, with, with work and enough trials and everything else, we'll try and... Um, achieve better than that. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. even if we uh, even if we just achieve the sixty-one percent, uh, we'll be very very happy. Uh, As shown by the IRRs that you're forecasting of two hundred and seventy percent. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And again, talk, talking of value, yes, for shareholders, 
We're looking at page five of your most recent presentation, the February presentation, yes. looking at the EV and the NPV numbers, you're well below your peers. You're below average. Yes. Now, what does that tell us? I think it's, it's not really surprising considering the fact that uh, we've come through two things, I think, is uh, not a very well-known stock, quite a, quite a young stock, really, considering um, our evolution as a company. And, and going back to, uh, you know, we only started out at the beginning of the year with a feasibility study and then producer by the end of the year. Uh, that sort of is a very shocking time frame in, in how fast that's happened. But also, uh, we've just come through um, a commissioning phase, um, so refurbishment, commissioning, and then ramp up. And traditionally, if there's ever going to be any issues in a mining company, it normally happens in that time period. So you have quite a lot of people that sit on the sidelines expecting any issues to happen in that time frame and everything else like that. And there's a lot of people that are almost waiting to see uh, the performance and see that we're going to be in a position um, where we're delivering on what we said we were going to do. Mm -hmm. And key to note on that is uh, we're not going to have to go back to the market um, to, to raise any uh, equity, any more fine funding. So you're, you're, you're cash flowing, you don't need, I know you've got a debt facility in yes. place, yeah. you've got drawn down a little bit of that, yes. but presumably moving, as you move the production up, you're going to not necessarily you'll keep it, I guess, but you won't necessarily use it, is that? Yes, so that one is, uh, we, we did have a debt facility with NAB, uh, National Australia Bank, mm -hmm. um, so one of the big four banks in Australia, mm -hmm. but that was a $40 million facility mm -hmm. and um, it was uh, fairly covenant heavy um, right. and we weren't able to draw all of it when we needed to. And the, the whole point for, for us with the debt facility is um, the capacity to uh, smooth out our cash flows because uh, in the um, in this sort of space, uh, you're producing and selling a 10,000 ton parcel of concentrate. Um, it's, it's lumpy cash flows Absolutely. and a large Very portion picky. of what you need is making sure that you've got the capital to get you through all of that side of things. Um, so going and getting the $100 million uh, debt facility, of which we've only drawn uh, $20 million of at the moment, uh, was giving us that uh, capacity where we don't have any issues with our cash flow going through. And it also gives us the capital, uh, should we require it through the ramp up. So was that was that a relatively cheap debt? I mean, would you look to, or would you look to get rid of it by the end of this year? What, what was the? Well, it's it's drawn in two tranches. So right. the first sixty um, is at about eight percent debt. So right. it's it's not too expensive. And mm -hmm. then the second forty, if we draw it, is at more expensive debt. Um, at this stage, uh, when we're so at eight. Yeah, we're at eight. Um, and uh, with the cash flow that we're going to be producing, uh, we'll, we'll pay that down we'll in the time that we should. Yeah. Okay, great. And then, so, and so my fi final question to you is around share price. Yes. It's recently spiked. Yes. A bit. Come back. Why up. do you think that is? I think uh, to the point that you were saying, or uh, you know, uh, I think people are starting to understand that we're not going to have to go back um, to raise equity. We've got the funding that we need to. We're going to be having our first positive cash flow quarter, this one coming up, and then things will only be improving and getting better from there. People are understanding that from a, a risk perspective, majority of your risks aren't there that uh, were perceived previously. Um, and as the market actually starts to understand all that and uh, understand that it is very real and we are achieving what we said we were going to achieve, um, people are starting to become more aware of the stock 
uh, and starting to buy in to try and um, be a part of getting the value that's still out there um, between what the share price was and what it should be. Okay. So. Barry, thank you very much for running through um, the New Century story. I think you're very thorough, very honest, and it's much appreciated. We look forward to catching up with you again next time you're through London. No worries. Thanks, Matt. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching and we look forward to seeing you again soon.